Welcome to our Brighton Road Baptist Church service. My name is Marion Richardson and I'm one of the members uh, from Brighton Road. This service today is going to be led by some of those of the youth within our fellowship and they're going to be contributing in a range of different ways through reading, prayer, drama and music. We're going to be continuing our series on people of prayer with our focus today being on Jesus and the prayer he taught his disciples. Our call to worship is from Psalm 89, which reads, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, that you established your faithfulness in heaven itself. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. The heavens praise your wonders, O Lord, your faithfulness too in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? The Lord's Prayer, our focus for today, begins with the words, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So let us take time now to praise our good Father with two songs of adoration.
O Heavenly Father, Lord my God, hallowed be your name. You are sovereign, holy, unchanging, and eternal, ruler over all creation. Lord, you are our wise, all-powerful, all-knowing, and ever-present God, by my side through whatever life brings. You are faithful and loving, lavishing me with your grace and mercy, even in my sinfulness. I praise you for who you are, the great I am, the Lord and ruler of my life, more than I'll ever know or understand. O Lord, hallowed be your name, forever and ever. Amen. Luke 11, 1-13 One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I, offer, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me, the door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one, in, the one who seeks finds. The one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? If he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Our Father, who art in heaven. Yes. Don't interrupt, I'm praying. But you called me. Called? I didn't call you, I'm praying. Our Father, who art in heaven. There, you did it again. You called me. You said... Our Father, who art in heaven, here I am. What's on your mind, Beth? I didn't mean anything by it. I was just saying my prayers. It's just something I do. Okay, then. Go on. Hallowed be your name. Stop a second. What do you mean? Mean? I don't know. It's just part of the prayer. What does it mean? It means honoured, holy, wonderful. Oh, Okay, good to know. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do you really mean that, Beth? Yeah, I guess. What are you doing about it? Doing? Nothing. But I think it would be really good if you controlled everything here like you do in heaven. Do I have control of you, Beth? Well, I go to church. That's not what I asked. What about that habit of gossiping and your bad temper and then that way you spend your money and then there's... 
Hey, stop picking on me. I'm just as good as the next person. But I thought you were praying for my will to be done. If that's to happen, it needs to start with the ones who are praying for it, like you. Okay, you're right. There are things I'd like to change. Good. Now we're getting somewhere. I'm proud of you, Beth. Lord, can we get on with this? It's taking a bit longer than it normally does. Give us our daily bread. You know, you could cut down on the bread. Hey, what is this? Pick on me day? I'm just trying to pray and you keep interrupting me. Praying is a dangerous thing, Beth. You could be changed by it. That's what I'm trying to say. You called me and here I am. Keep on praying. I'm very interested in the next part of your prayer. I don't want to. I'm scared. Of what? Of what you're going to say. Don't worry. Just say it. Forgive my sins as I forgive others who have sinned against me. What about Maddie? I knew it. I knew you were going to bring her up. But she lied about me. She made my friends think badly of me. I have every right to get even with her. But your prayer... What about your prayer? I prayed it, but I didn't mean it. At least you're honest. It can't be much fun carrying all that bitterness around. And revenge won't make you feel any better. But I can change all that. You can? Yes. Forgive Maddie, and then I can forgive you. Okay. I want to be right with you, Lord. I forgive Maddie. I really forgive Maddie. Help her do the right thing, Lord. I think she's not in a great place. She says things to make people listen to her and like her. Help her to know that you're listening and you love her. There now. How do you feel? Good. Yeah, pretty good. Great. You've not finished your prayer, though. Go on. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Good. I'll do that. Just don't put yourself into places where you can be tempted. What do you mean by that? Stop hanging around the wrong places, watching inappropriate films, TV and websites, listening to sinful conversations. Don't use me as an emergency exit. But I don't understand. Yes, you do. You've done it lots of times. You get into a situation and then you come to me. Lord, help me and I promise I'll never do it again. Do you remember some of those bargains you tried to make with me, Beth? Yes, Lord, and I'm ashamed. You know, up until now, I thought all I had to do was just say the Lord's Prayer and then I can go my own way. I never expected all this. Go ahead then, finish your prayer. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Do you know what would bring me glory, Beth? What would make me really happy? Oh Lord, I really want to know. You know, Lord, I'm beginning to understand what, what it means to be your follower. I love you, Lord. You've just answered my question. What brings me glory is to have people like you truly love me. Now some of those old sins are out of the way and you and I are really communicating. 
There's no telling what we can do together. Lord, do you think we can talk like this again? Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer that he wants the best for us, and so in his prayer we say, Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And so Amy is now going to lead us in our prayers for the world. We pray for all the people who are scared of social interaction coming out of lockdown, um, with the difficultness of not really having spoken to people for a year. We pray for that you would give them confidence and that you're, they will know that you're bigger than the bogeyman. We pray for <coughs> we pray for the people who are still waiting for the vaccine that they will figure out the blood clot thing and deliver it and roll it out quickly and effectively. We pray that we pray that you will be with everyone. We thank you for the nice weather and the easing of COVID and the relaxation of rules. We pray that people would be careful still. Most of all, we pray that people would know you and feel close to you in these circumstances. The Lord's Prayer is given in response to the disciples watching Jesus praying and then afterwards saying to him, Lord, 
teaches to pray. What he does, they want to do. They want to follow him. Our next song picks up that theme, Where You Go, I'll Go. uninitiated this is a sewing pattern 
It's intended to be laid upon the fabric in a certain way, pinned and be a template for cutting out the correct shape that will enable you to make the final product. On it, there are all sorts of symbols and codes that give the sewer further instruction. Solid lines, dotted lines, triangles, arrows. It's all a bit bewildering at first. But actually, these different elements will mean, if followed, you're able to achieve the far more overwhelming task. In this case, it was making a garment to wear. Last week, we began our series on people of prayer by looking at Simeon and Anna. And today we continue in our series by turning our attention to the one for whom prayer was the most natural of activities and the most necessary part of his life. The one who is the greatest authority on prayer, that of Jesus. We're at a point in um, the Luke's Gospel when Jesus is being watched by his fellow disciples. They've noticed that Jesus has a rich prayer life. Right at the beginning of his ministry, following the calling of his first disciples, when he's beginning to draw some crowds, we read in chapter 5, verse 16, but Jesus often withdrew himself to lonely places to pray. Then in chapter 6, verse 12, we read, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Again, chapter 9, verse 8, Jesus was in private prayer. It is while Jesus is praying in chapter 9 that the transfiguration occurred, a point I have to admit hadn't really, it was something I definitely had overlooked. And so we arrive at chapter 11 in Luke's Gospel and once again Jesus is praying. The disciples observe this, wait until he's finished, and one is bold enough to make the following request. Lord, teach us to pray. This individual at least recognises their own inadequacies and Christ's authority. I take encouragement from this. The disciples, those closest to Jesus, didn't really know what they were doing and relied upon Jesus to show them. I also take encouragement from the fact that, as the writer Murray points out, Jesus never taught his disciples to preach, only how to pray. He did not speak much of what was needed to preach well, but much of praying well. Jesus prioritised prayer not just for himself, but for those who would follow him. Prayer was a vital part of Jesus's life. How much more so it should be for us. And so we turn to the pattern that Jesus provided. You can find a similar version in the Gospel of Matthew, but there are sufficient differences, including when and where in his ministry, to strongly suggest that, that uh, such was the importance of this teaching on prayer that Jesus often repeated it. The variances made also suggest that this is not intended to be some magic pattern to repeat as, as vain repetition like the, the sewing pattern I showed earlier, that I robotically follow, ticking off the uh, instructions as completed, so that by the end of its use I can show to others what I've achieved. No, it is a method of prayer to use, a framework, a means by which we might better live in fellowship with both God and with each other. In a sense, Jesus is highlighting a pattern of prayer that pre-existed this moment, 
in chapter 11. So in Luke 10, verse 27, Jesus quotes the Shema, the Jewish prayer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and strength and with all your mind and to love your neighbour as yourself. This pattern is grounded in the person of God before moving on to our personal relationships and needs. The Lord's Prayer, or the pattern prayer, as Ray Steadman calls it, is also divided into these same two areas, identified clearly by the, the use of pronouns with thy or your in relation to God and us in relation to humanity. In that sense, the pattern for our prayer could not be clearer. Put God first. I think all too often this is where we go wrong in our prayer life. We start with us. We, I say we, but maybe it's just me and this is a a rather public uh, confessional of my own prayer life. But there is a tendency to just dive straight into the spilling of angst or tripping off vacuous tropes. Stedman, rather helpfully, I found, reminds us of what God, in terms of our prayer life, is not. He's not a chairman of the committee for welfare and relief. Where we enter God's presence with the sort of expectation of of a handout, something we've identified we need so that we are, as he puts it, just filling out the properly prescribed forms to get what we want. Nor is God the chief of police. Our prayer is not to merely be a confessional with the hope of throwing ourselves upon the mercy of the court. Finally, Stedman indicates that God is also not the Secretary of the Treasury, some sort of genial international banker we hope to interest in in financing our project. No, this pattern for prayer reminds us that God is so much more than that. Our Father, our, showing that Jesus makes the assumption that uh, his people will pray together. And Father, The one who is not some blind force, but one who has a heart of love that is imminent, involved, and therefore should be expected to reply. Which, if we're honest, we often, as we saw earlier in the drama, we tend not to. And what a difference it makes when we do. This title of Father tops and tails this passage First in verse two, with the commencement of the prayer, Our Father. Our Father, what a privileged title, uh, demonstrating a privileged relationship. Verses 11 to 13 show how God responds to us with goodness. So much more than even the, the best of earthly parents and wants to go on giving. As shown in the tale of the passage, God wants to gift the spirit in verse 13. How much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It is because of Jesus, by not only giving us this example, but also through the saving work of at Easter, we're able to have this new and intimate path with God. He loves like no other, relentlessly. In effect, where a stamper puts it, pushing at an open door when we pray, because in a sense, we're already inside. And that's not been achieved by our efforts, but by Christ on the cross. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed means set apart, holy, honoured. 
as a sketch hopefully um, and I think helpfully highlighted God's name is hallowed when we put him first and when we embrace the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. In a way this section of the Lord's Prayer kind of makes hypocrites of many of us for we know that in too many areas of our life he isn't hallowed. Um, other names are more hallowed our spouse, our children, boss, all sorts of things, sorts of people, sorts of things that we can put first. Our, um, or we might find there are areas of our lives that we keep set apart for we find them shameful. But quite frankly, we've no intention of relinquishing them. By praying, hallowed be your name, we are in fact echoing David's uh, prayer in Psalm 19, verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. It's about acknowledging those areas of our life that do not hallow God's name, giving them over to him and standing before him and saying, you, you, Lord, will be first in my life. How easy it is just to say the words, to repeat them without thinking but they hold enormous significance and herald significant change in perspective when said honestly. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, on the one hand, this is a prayer that is a hope that the world might one day be like heaven, where God's sovereign rule is in all parts of the world's experience but it's also that God's will might be done despite all the tears and trials of life right now that the kingdom comes through what you and I are doing right now how are you facilitating the coming of God's kingdom this isn't just a passive waiting for God to do his stuff but actually a call upon us to be used by him. It echoes Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was wrestling with the task that lay before him and then prays, yet not my will, but yours be done. I've been reminded that God often waits for us to be passionately persistent in prayer as the friend that keeps knocking on their neighbour's door for bread. Not because he's not because God is is reluctant or needs persuading, but because our persistence, rather than changing God, changes us, developing in us a heart and a passion for what God wants. That's why I'd really encourage you to be a part of our fasting and prayer um, and as a church on Wednesdays during this time betwixt Easter and Pentecost. Let's be passionately persistent in prayer so that as a church we might move forward in accordance with his will. Give us this day our daily bread. Here is a recognition of our needs. We can often find ourselves in one of two camps worrying about all that, that life throws at us or keeping to ourselves all the blessings we've received. Give us this day our daily bed, bread reminds us that we're neither to fret nor hoard. 
God is clearly, time and time again, God is a God of provision. We need not worry. He shall provide. But also, he gives richly. As Carrie reminded us in uh, last Sunday's outdoor service, we've not just material wealth, but gifts, talents and time. And these are not to be hoarded, but shared. Jesus is our model for forgiveness also. Despite all that was done to him on Good Friday, he asked the perpetrators might be forgiven. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. Forgiveness is a recurring theme in the Gospel of Luke. It's found in Zechariah's song in chapter 1. It's part of John the Baptist's message in chapter 3 when Jesus is anointed with perfume in chapter 7 and when he meets with the disciples in the closing chapter. Forgiveness, it's about release. Release from spiritual oppression for the forgiver just as much as the forgiven. I've seen this turn of phrase be understood as God won't forgive you unless you forgive others. Though I think the clause does not imply that the forgiveness of our sins is in proportion to the sins of our fellows. It's ultimately about that unless we ourselves show a forgiving spirit, we can't expect to be forgiven. We're called to model ourselves on God's love. In God's love, he forgives us. So as we follow his example, we forgive others. And in so doing, we are free released to enjoy God's love more fully, making it possible to love others still more. And lead us not into temptation. Some manuscripts include the words, but deliver us from evil or the evil one, to make clear that God is not the author of our temptation. Christ's temptation is recorded in Luke 4, and interestingly, it came at the time when Jesus was about to step out into his ministry. It is the Holy Spirit that leads him and guides him through that wilderness. As we prepare to step out into a post-Covid world, may we too be guided by the gift of the Spirit and not be distracted by anything that would take us from God's will. And so there we have it. Quite frankly, there's enough in the Lord's Prayer, this pattern of prayer, to last a series of sermons, not just one. Each line is imbued with such richness and significance. I encourage you to read the words and meditate on each line. Maybe take a line a day. The the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. The question is whether we as a church and as individuals are willing to enrol with Jesus in his school of prayer. If you do, I encourage you to repeat after me the words I say as I lead you now in prayer. Father, teach me to pray. Give me a sense of ignorance and the wonderful privilege it is to be in your presence. Jesus, teach me to wait with you 
and give you time to train me. Help me to learn from your great example. Holy Spirit, help me not be afraid, but be guided by you so that I might bring you honour. Father, may your name be hallowed in my life and in the life of Brighton Road. Amen. And so we close with singing together the words from a very familiar hymn. Come, almighty to deliver, let us all thy grace receive. Suddenly return and never, never more thy temples leave. Thee we would be always blessing. Serve thee as thy hosts above. Pray and praise thee without ceasing. Glory in thy perfect love. Love divine.
May God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit bless, preserve, and keep you. Amen.